Hello and welcome to the XYZ podcast. I'm Amos. Today I'm Gary. I have the ple- oh Gary's here. Yeah, Gary's here as well. <laughs> Today I have the pleasure of uh, interviewing not just an icon of the next generation of Malaysian designers, <laughs> and not just the author of world famous sculptures, co-founder of How Ideas, but also once again my former boss. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jun Ong of How Ideas and of himself. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi, Amos. Hi, Gary. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> um, it's been a, quite some time since we last chat, actually, for ourselves, right? Because like, uh, I think we last had significant conversation when I was working for you two years ago in 2018. Uh, and I think like must have changed since then, right? Would you say so? Yeah, I would say like, um, I mean, when you were working with us at Powell, um. I mean, 2018 was like what, like two years plus ago. Yeah, um, yeah we were doing maybe like slightly smaller projects um, and it was a smaller team now. So we've kind of expanded a little bit. Um, still very small. Um, yeah, but things have progressed yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about it later on. Uh, but first yeah. off, right, I think we have to ask you the standard question. Uh, how has it been with COVID and its effects on your area? Um, I mean, I, I see from the video that you are working from home. Unless that's a very yeah, nice yeah, office yeah. you guys got. Yeah, yeah, we, we've been working from home, from home. I think um, um, like most most people, um, it's just that, you know, when we have like site visits and stuff, we still have to kind of arrange to go to sites. Uh, yeah, um, nowadays, we're slowly trying to kind of spend more time in the studio face to face. Like maybe not necessarily every day, but, yeah. you know, if we have to, we, we do arrange to meet face to face. Um, but we're enjoying the kind of work from home process, like, you know, designing virtually is, is ah, kind of, yeah. it works. Uh, we don't have to face clients so often, which is great. Like, they, are, <laughs> <laughs> they have discovered, you know, virtual calls of, or, or video calls, you know, so, um, yeah, so that's great. I see, but on your corner in the industry, right, specifically your, your niche, is that like a, particular, you know, effect of COVID on it? Because, for example, I understand that your, your work still tend to be relatively, like, renovation-based, uh, relatively small-scale. We're not doing big, big buildings, right? So, yeah. has that been affected by COVID as well? Because I understand, that, you know, for big projects, they tend to get hit quite hard. Yeah. Is that a, if it's a small project, does it get hit less hard? Um, we, we, we did have some projects, you know, um, that were cancelled, unfortunately. So, oh, I think okay, it really okay. affected that every part of the industry, regardless of scale, right? Um, but um, fortunately, we, we do have new inquiries too, like new projects that we're working on. Um, so yeah, I mean, like contrary to the belief that a lot of people think, you know, there are no projects out there. Um, surprisingly, yeah. there are clients who are willing to take the risk. I mean, it's a good time to do like kind of renovation or to change up your space now because there are not oh, many people okay. out there, you know, so it's, it's better to close now and then, you know, do your, do your renovations and then get it prepped for like whenever COVID, you know, settles down next year or so, yeah. Yeah, I see. Actually, that, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't talk about that. Yeah, if anything, yeah. it's time. Now is the time to yeah. do... Yeah, so just being, being optimistic about the situation. Um, <laughs> so we're quite glad that, you know, there are some clients out there thinking like that still, yeah. I see, all right. Okay, so let, let's talk about you yourself as yeah. the light artist, right? So this is, my understanding is that your persona as a light artist is 
would you say quite divorced from your persona as the co-founder of How Ideas? Um, I think yes and no. Um, I, I started exploring with um, lighting as a medium um, in, in my art installations um, exactly the same time when when Carl and I started Pow in like early 2015. Um, okay. So it kind of happened hand in hand. Literally, we were working on our first project, Merchants Lane, and I was working on the Star Project in Penang. Ah, um, yeah. Okay. So it was it was literally happening at the same time. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's 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 a, a very it's a kind of a different trajectory, obviously. But like you know, the th- thinking process and 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 the thought behind it. Yeah. I think runs in parallel to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, yes and no. You know, the outcome is very different, but the way I think, the way I source materials, the way I design, it's probably similar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you get this uh, get into this in the first place? Uh, why did you choose light? Um, it happened to be a medium. I mean, it could be any sort of medium. You know, yeah. I wasn't born like you know, I wasn't trained in 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 you know, lighting or electrical wiring whatsoever. Um, it's just that it happened to be a medium that I fell in love with. I mean, I've always enjoyed art. I always enjoyed painting, watercolor, very traditional mediums, right? Um, you know, all my life, you know, growing up. Um, and I wanted to pursue um, visual arts um, instead of architecture. But obviously, architecture is something that I'm passionate about. So yeah. Beginning. So I went with architecture as it was a more wholesome kind of like education at that point. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, mother um, of arts, right? Yeah. So yeah. So deep down, the, the love was always still with the arts. Um, and yeah. And, and, and in my final, uh, when I was studying in Westminster, in my part two final year, my thesis um, topic was actually about sculpture making. My professor was actually a professor of arts at the RCA. And yeah, it just opened up this this whole new world, you know, of like sculpture making, you know, wow, yeah. and how that is so similar to like form making and architecture too. Yeah, so like that thought process really developed into, you know, um, me wanting to do more in the installation art world. And lighting happened to be a medium that I fell in love with. Um, you know, it's a very kind of man-made medium, but it has a lot of like, facets to it right you know with lighting you can incorporate technology you can incorporate sound yeah. you can incorporate form yeah so it's very versatile i feel yeah yeah but but how did you even start off it because okay right right now your your lighting was exhibited all throughout the world you got stuff mm. you, i mean you even got commissioned by nike to do something in the united states yeah. but then i i would say that most people would say that your work started off with the star. And the star is this gigantic lighting sculpture in Penang, right? Yeah. And it's, it is like this absolutely like the size of a house, I would say that from the pictures I've seen. Surely that can't be your first project, right? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right. It's not exactly my first project, but it was like maybe the first project that got some attention. Um, I did do a couple of smaller light installations before that. Um, okay. And um, the first piece I did was actually a, a collaboration with Philips uh, Malaysia, Philips mm, Light. Okay. Um, so that kind of kickstarted like my endeavor into like lighting. I mean, they really yeah. was a partner. They, um, it was literally me just calling their marketing team and like kind of like 
bullshitting my way saying like, oh, I'm like, you know, I have this portfolio and I need uh-huh. some light. You want to sponsor kind of thing. And oh, they did. okay, okay. They just like sponsor like a bunch of LED tubes. Um, and I was very lucky the marketing guy that I was dealing with, he, I used to work for Tom Dixon in London and he also was also a big fan of Tom Dixon and we really got along really well and he was very supportive of what I did. I think from Philip's point of view, like, yeah. instead of, you know, showcasing their products in a normal showroom, like, why not get someone to do something cool with it, right? Instead of uh-huh. a generic kind of... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of kickstarted my first piece with... Um, with uh, with Kelpat, it was it was it was it was commissioned by Kelpat. Um, this was like 2015, and then yeah. subsequently I did a couple more installations, slightly bigger in scale in Penang, um, Georgetown Festival, um, and they were all also supported by Philips. They funded and also they supported in terms of like the technical aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, they really taught me on how like you know to think about the 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 mechanics behind lighting, wiring, etc. Yeah. yeah. So Gina, was- let's talk. Let's talk about like the about that, right? About what what's what would you say is uh, a challenging aspect of designing with light? Because if we're doing mm-hmm. light, unless uh, unlike architecture or any other sculpture, your your the medium that you're working with is not exactly easy to predict where it's mm-hmm. gonna go, right? Because it's this very ethereal kind of uh, you know you're playing with photons basically yeah, Whereas, you yeah. know the architecture with spaces you're or with sculpture you're doing with physical stuff that you can mold to your liking to exactly how you want it but with light it's something a lot more you know it's formless so how, how yeah. do you design how do you can you walk us through how do you design a light sculpture yeah i think being trained in architecture really did inform the way i think about lighting like it always has to start off with the context like um where where this where this installation will be exhibited or will be displayed you know like what is the essence of the space around it what are the quality of the walls the floor the ceiling you know the the volume of the space before the the look of the actual installation is decided you know um so yeah like the star project i mean it was very much um, um uh, developed from the nature of that that unfinished building that, that four-story, yep. you know, the fact that there was a four-story superstructure that I could use, you know, um, that really led to this idea of creating something that is quite big, um, but actually very easy to install because of the existing structure of the building. Um, yeah, so I think for me, it always started, um, you know, look, looking looking at the context. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not just like a standalone piece that exists in like a white cube space, you know, or yeah. like a blank piece. Yeah, yeah. I see, but yeah, how about in terms of like the technical aspects? Like for example, the, I, I heard that you do some programming as well. Um, I wouldn't say I, I, I'm dabbling into it. I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm a pro in it. Like I always work with great collaborators, great programmers. Um, I have had some pieces, um, this piece I did for um, iLight in Singapore um, called Bolt and it's my first like interactive um, lighting installation. So it's got like Arduino embedded into it and stuff like uh, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I work with um, great partners, Tandy and, and a couple more programmers and they've helped me develop these ideas um, on other installations too. Um, yeah, and because like, you know, I trust the expertise. I mean, for me, it's about kind of achieving a certain vision yep. um, 
and 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 my my I kind of just want to focus on my strength and kind of work with the right people to kind of take it further. I guess, yeah. Ah, uh, I see. I see. Yeah. All right. Um, is there you you this one you mentioned like the star was uh, relatively easy to assemble. Uh, well, it's gone now. Did you ever? Yeah. Did you, you think that you uh, ever have a chance to shine again? I, oh yeah, no. I've had like many many inquiries like from across the world to to reinstall the star in like amazing locations, um, Europe, America. But um, I think I've done like more more than ten different proposals in these different places, and yeah. no one uh, it didn't it always didn't doesn't pan out. For some <laughs> okay, which is great, you know, because I'm so precious about restaging it. So like the idea of it not being restaged anymore is kind of also nice like you know maybe yeah. it shouldn't be restaged anymore like it's just a one-off <laughs> experience and then it would just exist in people's memories you know people have seen oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah okay kind of beautiful uh, too, yeah. oh man but i i didn't see it i don't think <laughs> yeah, Gary saw it as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay uh last year right you had a uh you had a hand in Ainyala, which is a exhibition mm-hmm. slash competition kind of by TMB and also some educational institutions, right? I recall also in a session of uh, Concrete Matter. Concrete Matter is once again uh, one of those uh, uh, educational uh, meet-togethers that we had that you briefly mentioned being involved in education as well in Sunway, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so what do you teach and how different is it compared to the traditional architecture education that you've gone through? Yeah, I would say um, when I was um, asked to be part of Ayanyala um, by Helios. Yeah. So Helios, um, he runs, his, his company is called Helio Media and they do like um, interactive like LED screens and they were one of like the, the, the brains behind Ayanyala and TMB was one of the supporters. Um, so they wrote me in. Basically, it's like a, a program. Instead of doing it like a commission, it's a more of a program that um, um, guides selected um, multimedia students from universities around mm-hmm. Malaysia yeah. uh, um, with their proposals to eventually build um, lighting installations. Yeah. Um, we've got different like people from the kind of interactive art slash multimedia industry to kind of be mentors to these groups. I see. Um, okay. For the second thing, there were like ten groups, and then um, we're through like a couple of judging processes, and then we eventually shortlisted like ten different groups, and they were funded, and then their pieces were built um, and, and displayed in racks for a bit. Yeah. So like it was kind of a I was asked to do a couple of workshops with the students or so. Um, so I think that was like my first foray into like um, education ish. Like it was just like workshops, you know, um, but. It was kind of interesting to kind of put together my past works and maybe talk about the behind the scenes more than like, yeah. you know, what it looks like kind of thing. Um, yeah, so that was that was really fun. And then um, not long after that, um, I was invited by um, the, the head of um, the School of Arts in Sunway University. Um, and he's also a friend of Helio, so that's how he heard of me um, um, to... <laughs> To lead a, a new lighting design um, subject in the School of Arts, so yeah, I was like really excited. I think he only gave me like two weeks. He only met me like two weeks before the class was supposed to start. I'm like, wow. Okay. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was no syllabus, nothing. You know, he was like, "June, I like what you do. Like, I want you to like kind of 
disrupt the syllabus. Like, you know, the there syllabus. was like a framework kind of thing, but it was very okay. generic. I see, okay. How to install a light on your ceiling kind of thing, you know? So oh like, man, no. <laughs> not that, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you said like, you know, yes, there is some soft framework to follow, but you know, we want, the reason why we want to get you in is because we want like someone from the industry, someone who has done like actual physical stuff um, and for the students to learn about lighting design in yeah. very different ways, right? Yeah. Um, they're my interior students. So yes, we do have to cover certain like more um, boring generic. stuff. Yeah, okay. the technical stuff, they need to know how lighting is calculated. We do like yeah. simulate training for interior spaces mm -hmm. but the outcome of it the final assignment is always like yeah uh, installation i um, see okay is yeah. there something that you can teach us about light that you know that, that what, what is it about light that is so hard to get right because like you know yeah. when when we in my experience right i can't name names but when we do light as architects right it is just okay uh let's have the <laughs> gypsum box ceiling yeah. And then uh, every so often, we're going to place a, a bunch of fluorescent tubes together. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's, it covers the area more or less. You know, if I want, I can just do some lighting simulation on Revit or something like that. And okay, that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah. but th that's, I wouldn't call that design at all. It's just illumination. So Yeah, I think in my, my short few years exploring yeah. lighting, I wouldn't say I'm like super experienced in the technical side, but I think the beauty about knowing... Um, how technical lighting can be is also quite interesting. Like you, you begin to kind of want to look at lighting in a less technical way after knowing like, wow, okay, lighting can be that technical. Maybe I don't want to venture into that aspect. Like for me, lighting is always like a feeling. Like I feel like there shouldn't be a right and wrong. Yes, the simulation software is like Dialux or whatever could tell yeah. you like what is the ideal illumination for a certain function of a space right but okay for me um unless you're designing like a hospital or a factory yeah. space okay yes you have to have min like lux levels but otherwise i feel like it's really an emotional kind of quality to it like there's no right or wrong yeah. you know like when i design my own house like if you come to my house at night it's like it's like it's like there's no lights it's like super dark <laughs> Okay. <laughs> because I hate bright spaces, you know, like wow. I always like lighting at very specific heights, specific, mm -hmm. you know, locations, like an awkward corner kind of thing. You know, there's no, there's only a few like sitting lights that I never turn on. So everything is kept at eye level um, because that's how I like it kind of thing. You know? yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like, you know, when designing a space, I mean, that we were told to kind of follow the books kind of thing, like certain spacing, blah, blah, blah. But to a certain extent, I think it needs to transcend that. It needs to be like a, a feeling. Like, how do you want to feel being in that space kind of thing, you know? And I think working, like with my students, we look at um, very different aspects of lighting. We look at the psychology of lighting, yep. uh, you know, Terrell's works and stuff like that. And oh, yes, yes. understand very different impacts, different quality of light we create to people, different color, different lux level, different yes. um, applications. Yeah, so like it really opens the horizon. It might it might be out of their comfort zone. A lot of them yep. never really done an installation before. So it was a bit of a struggle, but I think that was the fun bit. You know, it's always something new for, for us. See. Yeah. Actually yeah. speaking about lighting, right? Because there is some there is an an inherent limitation to your medium, to your work, because you require it to be dark. 
Has have you found that to be something uh well not limiting but to have something that it's a constraint for you? Because um, I, I I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't think the star or any sort of your works will be particularly visible in daylight. Or is yeah, that I, kind of ephemeral quality is something that you cross and and, and uh, exploit or hmm. would I say uh celebrate? Hmm. Actually, the Nike project I did in 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 Portland, um, it was that was the main requirement. It wanted a lighting installation that looks good during the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was, I know you've seen photos of it. It's like placed in 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 it's it's in Nike campus, HQ campus. So that's like a cluster of buildings. There's like a uni campus. So it was in one of the buildings, the Dan Fouts building, um, and. This installation was meant to be placed like right at the entrance, and the entrance is like a four or five story like glass um, atrium, like glass void with plenty of daylight washing in. And you know, to do an installation, obviously you want it to be seen and yeah. experienced by the people who are working in that building, right? But no one is going to stay till like eight p.m. to look at the light. <laughs> yeah. Right? So if you think about it, like. I'm not sure any whether anyone saw my lighting piece like turn on at night, you know, because uh -huh, okay. it's an office. So yeah, so that was an interesting challenge, you know. So uh, how does it look good during the day, you know? Yeah. So so we we, we looked at um, not just the not at, not at the lighting fitting itself, but actually the material that houses the light fitting itself. Ah, so, okay, okay, all right. You know, things that are super reflective, you know, stainless steel, chrome stainless steel, high gloss. Um, stainless steel cable so that it really picks up the daylight around it so the material itself kind of glows during the day without even having the lights turned on it looks like the piece is illuminated during the day i um, see so it's not a simple matter of like okay let's let's put in some 3000 watt light fittings in it's yeah. <laughs> outside outshine the sun yeah, you, you cannot outshine, you know, the, the mother of all lights, right? You know, so um, I think it's just to embrace it. Like, so materials, materials are important, you know, it's more than just like, you know, that's why I, I explore my students too. Like, I kind of like explore a lot of things around lighting, not so much about lighting itself. Okay. But like materials, the space, the emotional quality. Um, with my students, you know, so that they understand that lighting is not just about the object itself. It's like yep. about the things around it too. That's equally as important. Yeah. The walls that it shines on, the floor that it shines on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, let's, let's talk about your commission projects, right? Because recently you had a few. Once again, you have, uh, you have Nike. The, the word is called The Search, right? In the Nike campus in Portland. Yeah. The Search. And there's also one for Adidas as well, the competitor. Uh, this one's in KL, quite a trefoil. Maybe yeah. you should do one for Puma. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. well, yeah. What's the okay? So uh, actually, for this how um, commission works, right? Uh, what what's the difference in your experience, right? Uh, between these and the ones that you've done before, like for example, the star, I the cloud, and this kind of things. I would expect that there's quite a big difference from that one. And the one that Nike did, because like the one that you did for example, the start the clouds and those kind of things, those are those seem to be your own creations, mm. right? They are mm. not meant to have a motive to how to say that they, mm. they have a marketing aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how how what what are the difference between these two? How do you think to take that into account? Right. 
Um, I think with Nike, um, they commissioned me to do search because they saw the star project. So I think from the beginning, they didn't need me to impose or to include any sort of like Nike references. Um, okay. It's very like, you know, you're the artist, you take control kind of thing, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's and nice. So, yeah. you know, I, I design everything here. I only flew in once when they were installing it. Um, and yeah, you know, everything was like as per plan. I think with Adidas, like, um, it's a very different way of like, it's a very different form of artistry. You, there is a certain like brief. Um, um, I was commissioned to do two, um, um, I would say like light installation that acts as sort of a signage too. Um, because it was placed, it's, it's in the Pavilion KL, the new store. Um, and it's placed at the entrances, one at the main entrance and one like at the glass window display that faces into the main like boulevard um, in Pavilion. Um, but, you know, the, 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 um, the fact that they allowed me to kind of use the Trifoil logo yeah. and to kind of do whatever you want with it was oh, like okay. a great opportunity. You know, it's very rare that brands like Adidas would allow you to mess up their logos, you know, right? Yeah. Logo, right? I see. Um, obviously, there was like a lot of rejections. Like what you see that was built is like after like maybe five, six iterations. Um, wow. it was a, okay. A long process with um, the Shanghai Regional HQ. I see. Wait, did you choose to use the Trefoil or were you required to use the Trefoil? Um, yeah. So the, from the beginning, they, they, they wanted um, the Trefoil to be like kind of um, deconstructed and stuff like that. So it was. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. From the beginning. Yeah. Um, um, which was fun, you know, that's why I, I wanted to do the project because, you know, um, how do you take something that's so iconic? Um, that is the essence of Adidas um, and make it your own, but also kind of representing them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was great. Uh, it was a great experience. So it was two very different pieces. Two also uh, revolves around the trifoil um, yeah. sheet. Um, yeah, it was a very fun experience. And then how that, would also translate into the store design or the store experience um, to, you know, like respecting the other products that are displayed there. Um, so being very like cautious about how it sits into a retail space. Um, like the search in, in Nike, it was just an art installation in office space, like, you know, do what you want kind of thing, right? But yeah. this is like a retail store where there's so many other products, shoes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You cannot, outshine those objects too right <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah it's finding that balance which is great you know um it's a different way of i guess approaching the design yeah I, yeah I, I i see that were you yeah uh were you uh allowed to take your pick of uh adidas pair of shoes uh well they <laughs> of, um, um stuff like shoes and clothing items yeah, I actually worked with um, this other um, uh, illustrator called Jamie, um, and he did. It was a collaboration too, so it was kind of a fun experience as well. It wasn't just me doing the trifle. It was ah, okay, okay, all right. Me collaborating with Jamie to come up with like a main concept first, and then then we we go on and venture onto our own like mediums, like me with lighting and he. He, I mean, his, his strength is in illustration, but um, the output was actually two different carpets um, that was printed with his illustration that would, that would be displayed in the, in the store. 
Oh yeah, so we, yeah, I see it. Yeah. So we we both came up with the idea of you know using seeing the trifold as like a wow, a wow bulan. Yeah. Um, the essence behind this brief is that it has to have a Malaysian twist to the trifold. So we thought like the wow bulan is you know it, it kind of looks like the trifold. You know, it's a, such a iconic Malaysian slash Indonesian symbol. Um, it's 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 ornamental. It's colorful. It's got different shapes. It's quite architectural at the same time. Um, yeah. So I took that and went with it in the in the light boxes, and then he went and illustrated even further for the rugs, right. the rugs that were displayed in the store. Yeah. Oh, I see. All right. Um, let's talk about uh, the practical aspects. Let's talk about the nitty gritty parts about this, right? Well. <sighs> Okay, uh, let's, uh, to put it bluntly, hmm. how is the monetary situation for this kind of projects like? Is uh, this, because I, yeah. Um, yeah. This coming from us, uh, Gary and I, we've, uh, we've done a few, some minor installations here and there, right? Yeah. Um, I suppose that we are asking from a perspective of someone asking for advice. So how, how do you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how the monetary situation is like? How do you, are you guys reimburse quite a lot? Uh, this kind of things. Yeah. yeah. How do you say? <laughs> um, I can't. I can't I, put I, it in a very. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. It's a good question. I think it's something that um, you know I, I'm willing to share. Like I think my first few projects, obviously, I think like with any designer and artist, you know, you're not yep. expecting to like make any sort of profit right you know mm -hmm. the first way projects is about you getting your idea out there trial and error kind of thing nothing is perfect you know so a lot of the first few projects i did it was just like my expenses kind of thing you know so obviously it was very small pieces you know like i couldn't even afford to hire a lorry that's why the piece i did for kelpac was designed to fit into my kumbara that was driving then oh my wow um, okay the length of my inner the inner cabin of my kumbara Wow. And it was okay. because I can't get, a, I can't, there's no budget for me to hire a one-time lorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that, I mean, it's kind of about building a portfolio. And then eventually when there is like certain sort of demand for your work, then you know, like, okay, then you should, you know, obviously get paid for what you have, what you have with your, for your artistry, right? You know, for your, yeah. for your creative juices, your, your artwork, and also your manpower. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, you know, you can either like kind of um, go with like a full fee where, where you know, you, 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 if you're fabricating it yourself, then, you know, you can go in with a full fee, you know, the client just deals with one person. But another way is like, you know, you go in like, it's like the creative director of sort, you know, and then the fabricator, sometimes the client has their own fabricator. Um, like with Nike, um, because it was built by the Nike fabricators in yep. the US. So, which was great. Um, so I got to learn a lot. Um, so I only went in with like a design fee um, and, and they handled all the, um, what you call it? The fabrication costs, installation costs with their fabricators. Yeah, so I think just being very flexible, you know, like I, I'm, I don't have like a specific like requirement, like you have to use my guide. I'm, I'm willing to explore with a lot of different fabricators. I think that's how I yeah. learn about techniques and stuff. Um, I do have my preferred people to build my stuff, but um, for me, I think, you know, um, having a chance to work with overseas, like install installers or fabricators 
in China or in the US is is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's I see. Yeah, okay. but really like big answer, but I think you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of get the gist of it, right? It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, if anything, right? Try fast, fail fast, then fast, something like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I think I think we can move on now to you yourself to your to your other face as a co-founder of Power Ideas. As uh, yeah, that's why you put it. I mean, I had the pleasure of uh, interning with you guys for a very, very short period of time, just maybe a month or so at Power Ideas. But the main thing that struck me in that short time was um, to put it in, I, I, I can't put it in other words, all right? but it's how bangsa it was. It was so, um, it was so cosmopolitan. Like Power Ideas, it wasn't just about Power Ideas being located right in the middle of bangsa and all that, but everything about it. Because like, you, were, you guys were part of the social fabric of that area, especially of uh, APW, of which you guys were located specifically in uppercase. Are you guys still in uppercase, by the way? You guys have moved, right? Yeah, it has, things have changed. And I mean, uppercase is no longer called um, uppercase, it's called Union oh, Space. Still a oh, co-working yes, yes. Kind of, um, facility, but it's been rebranded. Um, we moved to a new office. We're still in APW, as you know. APW has a few like buildings. Yeah. Um, so we moved to uh, their old office, the old operation office of APW. Um, and, we, and we occupy like a little room, our own space. Lah. I think yeah. the co-working experience was fun in the beginning when we were much smaller, but when we had like materials and like rubbish and stuff, like we definitely need our own space. It was a bit yeah. of a struggle. I think as a, as a design studio, it's very hard to work in a co-working space. It's, it's quite limiting. Oh. Okay, actually, actually, yeah. I, I recall you. Um, you guys actually moved office twice. The very first time that you guys were in in APW, you guys were in a very small room, right? Yeah, yep. it, was it was like a, like a cube, like, <laughs> like cube with yeah. one window that looks into darkness. <laughs> There's no sunlight. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then uh, when I was working, thankfully, you guys expanded a little bit, and now you guys are, it's quite, it's quite a bit bigger than that now. Yeah. The sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can, actually, can we discuss very briefly, um, how do you guys get started with Power Ideas? I understand that, that it has got to do with a certain brothel near Petaling Street. A certain brothel, yes. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, we, well, Carl and I were college mates, um, like back in Taylor's, like years ago. Um, and then we went on to do different things, you know, we started in different locations after that. Um, and then we reconnected, um, like maybe 2013 ish when I was still like kind of in the UK, um, kind of finishing up my final year. Um, and then we did Epic Homes for a bit. Um, we built um, and designed houses for Orang Asli. Um, and then we stumbled upon an opportunity to redesign a um, former brothel um, in Petaling Street, in the now very gentrified Petaling Street. Um, yeah. And, and it, which is, this space is called um, Merchant's Lane. Um, it's, a, it's a cafe slash restaurant. So yeah, that was our first project. and. We, we, we met the clients, we, we loved the opportunity, we jumped to it straight away. Um, I told Carl, let's, let's try to do this. At that time, I, know I was working on a star project, I didn't really have like a, a, a full-time job. Yep. Carl was looking at leaving his 
um, long long time like job or so for new opportunities. So I thought like let's let's try doing this, you know, and see how it goes, kind of thing. It wasn't like a fixed decision that you know we're going to start a new company or a new okay. studio. It was us trying this do this project, you know, and then let's see how it goes. Like you know, we we were friends for a long time. Like we we worked together many many times, but. This is a different ball game. This is like you know, uh, almost like starting a business. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Work together, design level and also like business level at the same time. Um, it's a very different ball game, right? Um, yeah. So they, it, it, the clients, thankfully, were like the best people ever. We we are still friends until now. Uh, we did a new place for them um, called Wildflower. Wow, I see. Okay. Yeah. So um, right, right, diagonally right across from Merchants Lane. Um, so yeah, they, they were very, um, 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 trust, trusting of our like design approach. We had, you know, we had not much experience in doing like, um, doing our brothel. Uh, <laughs> so so okay. yeah, yeah they, the budget was really low and then there was like, you know, we charged like barely any fee, um, for us, it's just trying to get something done, um, yep. build a profit. Um, and then the budget was so low that we had to go to Malacca and like go through like garbage to find for like recycle like like old furniture, old wow, okay. and like gun well, sex. Is that hands on? Huh? It was yeah, it was hands on. I remember that very clearly. We were in Malacca just like going through rubbish um, to 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 then use to decorate the the the, the store. Yeah. Did you ever tell yeah. them that you found those uh, some pieces yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah, we, we wanted to make them feel like bad, so like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, it was really the essence that we kept until today. Like I see, we we try to be as hands-ons as hands-ons yep. hands on at end with um, all the projects we do, um, and then encourage that sort of philosophy with the team or so. I, I don't see. know whether you can understand your short term here. Um, or oh, I I definitely felt that way because like I mean I I I didn't even need to be there to know that you guys were hands on because like you guys were reverse when we were um messing about with the coconut fibers. Yeah, yeah. And it was painful. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, coconut fibers. We actually went all the way to the factory. Yeah, we um, the factory was actually like twenty minutes from the star project. Really enough. So oh, wow, okay, okay. We know the factory actually went to the star. Um, when we when we did an opening show too, so like he knew about the project, which was really like small world. <laughs> yeah, wow. so for to get to, to get the, the sponsorship for yep. coconut fiber installation was was easy peasy. So that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, actually, right. That's uh, regarding uh, your founding of uh, Power Idea. That seems to be that's a big jump though from deciding to do a project and to starting a business. That's quite a that's quite a big difference, right? Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to do something for a client as a one-off, but it's another thing to register, you know, to register the government and start paying taxes as a senior member yeah. and that kind of thing. So, like, yeah. what made you guys decide to do the jump? Yeah, I think I think for us, like you know, we're at that time, that age where uh, you know we have worked in different places, different countries before, um, and and. You know, we knew that we want to start something in Malaysia, in KL. Yep. I mean, where our home is. Um, and, you know, we want it to be something that's sustainable. Or, you know, it's not just like, you know, for fun kind of thing while we still have like other part-time jobs, you know. Um, we want this to be our full-time job kind of thing. Um, ah, okay, okay. 
is that even possible, you know? Yep. So it was a lot of trial and error. I think the first few projects that I've done, obviously, like, you know, we had no portfolio. So like, we're just sticking up any project we can, um, just having fun with it and getting paid a little bit so that, you know, we have some sort of like profit. Um, um, and then when we realized after like maybe the fourth or fifth project, we realized, okay, this can be quite sustainable. At the time, we didn't have a team. It was just um, Carl and I, right? So just two yeah. of us. Like, there wasn't like a lot of overheads for the office. There wasn't like mouth to feed kind of thing. There wasn't rent to pay. We were just working in Carl's kitchen. So it was like, Wow, I see that. You were just, you know, paying maybe our petrol and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so, so but once we started expand, once we, um, we were very lucky to um, get a space in APW, we, we somehow stumbled upon Sun Wei, who is the, the CEO of APW, and he knew that we were looking for a space or so. So um, he offered us a little um, nook in the co working space. Okay. Um, and then that's where we started to maybe a, like kind of the, the office kind of environment of power started uh-huh. then it wasn't I working see, okay. a kitchen table kind of thing like we, we we have to have some structure already uh, oh. like okay this is where you see it this is where yeah. we, like, your books this is where we put our materials this corner yeah like there is some sort okay. of structure yeah. and hierarchy to the office setup already Oh, it really uh, sounds with, like a Silicon Valley startup. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't. No, it wasn't even close. But like, you get the idea. Like, kind of yeah. setting up lunch kind of idea. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was very important, I think, for us to give some, ourselves some sort of structure, yeah. um, so that you know we can we can take on like maybe slightly bigger projects. You know, we can start delegating tasks to like you know one or two um, hirees or employees. Yeah. yeah. So, and then slowly it was like live and learn, like, you know. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like we were taught, we didn't have like a business developer join us or anything. It was just us handling everything money, website, accounts, yeah. admin. Yeah. Yeah. And then designing it. Yeah. Well, I seem to be going quite well for you because you guys have been going on for a strong five years now. And mm. uh, I think it's grown from two people to four people or there. And now I believe it's eight. Um, no, we are still six. Oh, still six, oh six people, six people. Yeah, so we've, two car and I, and then we have more permanent stuff. We, occasionally, we do have like um, interns who join yep. us for like one or two months, um, um, you know, for like placements and stuff. Um, but for us, like that, the idea is to keep the company quite lean, um, mm-hmm. especially now. I mean, with the, what's happening. Of in course. World, like, we were lucky that our company is very small. Um, the overheads were quite low. So, um, yeah, so you know, it's about kind of training the the, the team to be like to be able to multitask, yeah. right? Um, it's a small company; you can't disappear amongst the other employees. You have to like, I you know, we 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 can see everyone kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand. But, um, but let's let's talk about your the works uh, by themselves, right? I mean, I would say that the majority of your works are quite retail in nature. Um, I would say that you guys are actually not just uh, interior designers or architects or whatnot, but you guys are actually uh, user experience designers as well, UX. Um, how do you even begin to design these projects in the first place, actually? Uh, I mean, just by a cursory glance through your portfolio and whatnot, it seems that there's like a very postmodern, very retro, you know, post-digital kind of uh, vibe to it, you know? Like, what 
like is that the how, how do you guys get that in the first place you know um i don't think we have like a specific style i mean car and i we always approach every project like um with a with a with a blank canvas okay all right yeah we don't like to impose like a certain style to yeah that's the, so, okay uh, all right you look at our website like it's just like rajab right it's like everything you know there's like colors there's like no colors there's like white that's like metal you know it's, it's, it's like everything you know um, well yeah well perhaps it's not as like homogenous as like say six arts library of works of break gang break on yeah. and but it's certainly quite joyous you know that perhaps it's not in terms of just like a specific palette or a specific kind of material but definitely it's some, a, a certain kind of of vibe that you guys are looking for and i would say that the vibe is joyful yeah because it's just playful you know it, it's just so vibrant even if it's monochrome even if it's monochrome yeah yeah is that is this just is this indicative or is this coming from somewhere from you guys that perhaps it's (laughs) perhaps it's something that you guys see maybe it comes from our personality maybe a little bit but i I believe it, it it comes from like the essence of the project um usually it comes from the client um, okay. we, we like to interrogate our clients. We like to, even you can get the most boring client. We always feel like there's something special about he, him or her. Okay. So it's about bringing the essence <laughs> of, you know, for us, it's like, yeah, we want to celebrate you, not so much us, you know, like, okay, um, okay. Um, if you're a fashion designer, let's see what you can do and let's see what you haven't done. And maybe you want to explore working with us on that, you know, for your space kind of thing. Um, um, and that's why we enjoy like, um, you know, sp- spatial design, you know, um, they're not necessarily architecturally, you know, um, um, looking projects. They are more internalized kind of thing. Um, and it allows us to really focus on like the smaller objects and to be closer to like, um, the essence of the client. You know the the, the 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 social aspect of the space, the cultural aspect of the space, how people use the space. That's why we always enjoy adaptive reuse projects. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like APW being like a good example, right? You know, being a former factory and then now it's something else. Um, Merchants Lane and all that. You know, it was it had something before and then now it's becoming something else kind of thing. So we always like to take that essence of former past and then what does it mean now kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like, and that's why we are called Power Ideas. We're not called like June and Carl Studios. <laughs> was, yeah, so or Ong and E Studios, you know. So okay, uh, let 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 me ask for some practical advice once again, right? Okay, because like I, I recall this is an episode that I that we experienced when I was working at Power Ideas. Uh, there was a there was a certain project about a uh at a certain hotel, in a certain city with a certain swimming pool. Uh, the the design was all done. In fact, we submitted a full set of tender drawings, and, and it was just a matter of time before it was built. Um, unfortunately, at the last moment, the client cut the project cost in half, cut mm. the budget in half. So, uh, but the end result still looked good, though. Still looked yeah. good, though. Like you, like I mean, I was very shocked when you first told me that the the budget was cut in half. Yeah. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, at the time I was I already left the company, so yeah. like, okay, it's out of my hands. <laughs> but but yeah, but uh, 
But shockingly, like months from now, I I, I personally I thought like to be honest, I thought like the project was scrapped because like there's no way you know it's it's fifty percent of the cost is out. But mm-hmm. it turned out that it it turned out quite beautiful actually. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean if I dare say so, I actually prefer the design to what you own. So like what do, what do you do actually? Can you give us uh, some life advice about this kind of experience and how how do you handle when the client cuts the budget in half? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was painful. I mean, I, I mean, you knew you knew you knew how it felt like you're working so hard on like the design proposal, and you know we made the model and everything right for the client. Yeah. And, you know, it was all like good to go kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's design, right? You know, there's always surprises. Um, and I think as we, you know, um, as power lives longer, like you know, we get to experience all these sort of setbacks which is very normal, like it isn't even like the worst setback you would, you can imagine, you know, um, so budget cut is like probably the most common setbacks. Yeah. But I mean, the beauty of it, it allowed, allowed, became like, you know, we took advantage of it, right? Like no budget, okay, like how, how do we make the best out of like a terrible situation? It isn't a terrible situation, there was still like a decent budget, but we could have done what we wanted to do then, like all the crazy yeah. ideas. How do we tone things down you know um so yeah so um it, it really opened up new opportunities you know trying to be kind of optimistic i think was very important like okay it always brings us back to merchants name we were given not given like there was there was no budget budget at all like but we we made the best with what we can do right we went to the garbage dumps and look for nice stuff <laughs> um, so that concept but like you know dressing it up now um, yeah so how do you make the best out of a terrible situation and yeah. make it even better from what it can be with twice the budget kind of thing yeah um, so it's a challenge but it's a good problem to have yeah mm-hmm. I see okay so it's, it's become uh, basically what you guys did was to just change the brief we changed the brief, yeah. We 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 shaped the brief, um, um, and then further convinced the client that hey, you're gonna save even more money, but you're gonna get twice the impact I of see. what the original design was, kind of thing. So obviously he can't say no, right? I mean, okay, no <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He put it that way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. So I think let's move on to like the final part because like June, you've been hailed as you know the next generation of Malaysian designers among some others as well. I think like there's so many publications about you right now. And then uh yeah <laughs> that that you are seeing that you know as 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 what I said you're the next generation of Malaysian designers and then like Gary and I <laughs> we used to joke actually we always joke right now that there are three generations of Malaysian architects. The first one is you know the Kington Du era the second one is you know Saksang Kemaklo DTY these kind of big folks. The third one is you guys June mm-hmm. Pamela, Studio Bikin, you know, there's this kind of people, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Is this, is this like a, <laughs> is this a, a legit label? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's the first time I'm hearing this. So I, I didn't know okay. there's like different, like, your generation kind of. Uh, okay, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe there are labels on that, but maybe it's not like um, explicitly, like, you know, put out there. Um, so, but we, we don't, we, I mean, for us, like labels aren't important. Like, yep. you know, for us, it's, it's, it's about kind of producing the work that we want to produce kind of thing. Um, it is a bonus to be associated with um, our, 
you know idols or our peers you know um yeah. we 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 tend to not want to be competitive with a lot of our peers um you know we 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 share a lot of things with our peers um um we like to it's a very small industry like i think in Malaysia. yeah yeah and for us, we're at this stage where I think everyone has to move like collectively to really grow the industry. Um, um, you know, we're expecting, you know, the kind of more senior um, figures, but also like kind of like putting our voice in there. So maybe yeah. from the younger generation, I think, I don't think they're young, but like, you know, you guys and, and, and helping you guys out also at the same time. Um, yeah, yeah, I think, it's, yeah, it's that could a be a... Yeah, if there should be a space for everyone to kind of yeah. grow and also to um, practice uh, uh, business. It's not just, we're not doing this for fun kind of thing, you know, like we, yeah. we want seriously, like we want this to be a, a, a sustainable business like that we are passionate about. It's not like, you know, we have to have a full-time job somewhere and this is just like a hobby kind of thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so I see. Okay. Because like, do, you, do you see your design as particularly Malaysian? Uh, yeah. I would say our our starting point. Hmm, it's a good question. I wouldn't yeah. say we are very Malaysian. I think, um, I mean, we. If you look at us personally, we we are Malaysians, but we we yeah. have like um, you know lived in different parts of the world. We have worked in different parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, there is a, a cosmopolitan like DNA somewhere deep down. Um. And for us, it's it's about thinking global. Like, um, yes, it's nice to have like Malaysian references. I mean, yeah. um, but we don't necessarily have to always have that in every project. Yeah. Um, you know, it's about kind of measure thinking thinking of things as a very universal kind of like platform. Like, we can source something from Denmark and still make it fit into a space we're designing in Churras or whatever. Um, um, and that can still be seen as a Malaysian um, approach, you know, because yeah. it's designed by Malaysians, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to have like, I don't know, rattan or batik, you know? Yeah. I think that's the confusion a lot of people have. I mean, that's what we, were, we initially thought too, like you have a Malaysian touch, it's always about having like very traditional Malaysian aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's is, a lot more than just that, right? In, I wouldn't say it's, it's stereotypical. It, it, can, it, sh it should be, it can be, um, but not necessarily, you know, it mm -hmm, could yeah. be other um, elements to, you know, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you could mix and match. It could be, it, it's just the fact that it was conceived and, and, and thought out in, a, in here in KL, in Malaysia, yeah. in Malaysia, you know, itself, I think is strong enough to be called as a Malaysian identity. I see. Yeah, okay, all right. Traditional idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. personally, I think that just, if I think there's people say, you know, uh, Malaysian design, oh, it has to be contextual, then in that case, oh, what, what people do? People add rattan. Yeah. <laughs> can it be more than that? Can yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah, can it be more than that? Yeah. It's not, it's not just about just that, right? I mean, that's it's kind of stereotypical as well. It's like kind of even offensive. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Gary, do you have anything to say? Gary, I think like now's the time. Thanks. Uh, finally, I have been uh, keeping my mind and I'm holding myself not to say anything. 
<laughs> but, but, but thanks a lot, June. Thanks, uh, Amos. Uh, June, it's really nice to you know always talk to you because uh, I can definitely feel a certain young dynamic energy and also you know the certain uh, synergy that we all always can connected with. And I, I again, I, I, I don't know the 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 generation thing is kind of interesting in a way that how we look at architecture again and also design because. You can definitely see a different kind of general and also um, direction in this sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, I, in fact, I, I would like to thank you first because, in fact, the inspiration of this podcast is actually one of you. The, the Powdown session is actually one of the inspiration I refer to. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and before, I, I mean, there are two things, actually, I, how I know Power Ideas. First is, first is a Merchant Lane. And second thing is power wow session. So from this actually somehow create another another young young level in a way that you know um design firm is not necessary to be like consultation firm in a way that yeah I just deal with my client. I don't care about other people. So mm-hmm. I would like to ask the first question is because you 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 have been trained in architecture masters and so degree. So and then after that, you know, in order to come out. Like like you said, to to create a new um firm is totally unintentional in a way. It's just yeah. once the opportunity comes in, and then you just decided to have a firm. But for you, do you have any you know uncertainty or insecurity in a way that you know I have been trained as an architect that that kind of inner egoism? And I'm not saying in the bad way lah, but yeah. you know you might think that I want to be an architect, but I never know that I might end up as a interior designer or installation mm-hmm. designer or you know artist in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think um I mean definitely you know Carl and I have have thought about that like yeah you know we we went through a long journey studying mm. architecture um and we are um it, we wouldn't be who we are if we didn't do that journey I feel um regardless of what we are called today uh, I don't even know what we are called uh, we just call ourselves designers mm. um or yeah or creatives um yeah I think for us like. Um, it really the the journey was very important because it made us think like the the way we think today. Um, you know whether or not we completed the journey is a different question. Like you know, it's in completion as in like, or you know, you finish mm. your poetry and you really you know mm. practice as like an architect eventually, kind of thing. Um, you know, um, I think it would be very different. Like if we went on and just you know worked in different architectural firms until until now i don't think we would have the the freedom to do what we want to do here um and having that freedom was very important like you know it allow us to to control what we want to do mm-hmm. it's, it's very difficult to have that freedom like to be your own bosses like mm-hmm. you have to constantly be thinking about a lot of things not just design it's not like you just clock in and then like do your work and then leave mm-hmm. like every day we have to think about like okay what's next what's next kind of thing you know um, um, but that freedom allowed us to like think about okay, um, yes, like what you said, design is more than servicing a client. You know, design is like a conversation. You know, um, we were working in APW then. We have that uh, space. We have Sunway was very supportive about what we want to do um, to to help the industry. Mm. Um, so yeah, that kicked off like you know our powwow series. You know where. Um, we want to create conversations outside of architecture or outside of the built form design. Um, you know, so we we love that. You know, that's why we are called Power Ideas. We are mm. not uh, like Power Architecture Studio. Ideas mm. as 
like everyone is welcome. You can be a graphic designer. You can be like a housewife. You can be like a doctor. Mm. You have an idea. We can work together, kind of thing, you know. Um, and that's really like the essence of powwow. You know, it's about a conversation that is beyond architecture. We never really had an architect speak at our power sessions, mm. except for Kamil Marigan, the only architect who spoke. Mm. Um, <laughs> the rest were the rest were you know fashion designers, mm. photographers producers, acupuncturists, artists. Um, and it'll be, it'll be it, when, when, you, when, you go, when you go into going through the process, you realize like, wow, okay, you could, it's so enriching, you know, to learn about other Malaysian like creatives, um, which we couldn't have done if we were like, you know, if we didn't have that freedom. Mm, I think. Mm, mm. Yeah, because definitely. I think, yeah, at the same time, architecture is not really limited to architects and designers as well because there are a lot of people actually somehow inter interrelated. So yeah. that's that's the 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 powerful message I would you know I I really admire, and yeah. you know like uh, apart from power down is you know apart from a podcast actually is linked to a event and then the event also yeah. invited fashion designers. Um, yeah you know, they are not really architects, architects, right? But they, yeah. they do design. So somehow it's very, very related. Um, yeah. when, when, when it comes to, oh, maybe I, I can ask one first. Um, what is your unrealized project? Yeah, because I have seen your Instagram, you have done a lot of draft and then what are the chances to make it realized? Um, you're talking about like more of the, the lighting related stuff or like how? Yeah, I think much more on lighting because I I saw a recent one. It's a disc, like a disc. Oh yeah, yeah. There was um yeah. I mean like tons, many, many, many projects that um uh, ended up only in like concept proposal level and didn't go through. Um, which was you know it was it's disappointing. But for me, I always go in with like assumption that every project will get built. You know, mm, so mm. I would produce you know good quality like concepts. Um. Yeah, you know, but for me, it's always like um, uh, a work in progress kind of thing. Yeah, um, you know, could I develop that rejected idea into something else? Or maybe one day, you know, I would find a, a right location for it to, 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 to build it kind of thing. Um, it never dies there, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. It always continues. Um, yeah, so it almost becomes like an archive that I can always go back and then like refer and develop further. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 because I noticed uh, that's the beauty of unbuilt project as well because you are you are doing without clients, right? You you do it for your own exploration in a way. And mm. and speaking of the light installations, I realized your you know previous like cloud installation and also the one in AP, APW, the one the the boat is it? It's called the boat. So um, those started off with a very simple material. It's like a light tube. It's like an LED light tube or things. But then slowly, as I realized you did at um, Rex KL, it's the one with uh, laser or the one in uh, um, Marina Bay Sands. So the, the, evolve, the, the evolution of skill set and also the technique is, is obvious in this case. So how do yeah. you see the next step? Perhaps you wanted to do something like AI or sensory. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think I think I think for me it's like um, you know being very open to explore with different mediums. Um, you know, like laser. Um, when I did the Richard Feynman piece in Art Science Museum, laser was an interesting kind of um, 
um, medium, you know, it's like intangible, like, you know, the past few installations is always like lighting as a very tangible material. You can see and touch it. But with laser, it's it's not there. It's not even there. It's mm. only the equipment that projects the laser. Um, so yeah, I'm always looking at different ways light can manifest, can be manifested, um, you know, ten, in, in a physical or non-physical way. Um, but for me, the needs, I mean, technology is something that I'm always very curious, you know, I would love to see, like, um, you know, I always enjoy looking at projection mapping projects and stuff like that. But for me, I think the essence always needs to have some sort of, like, um, physical or, or physical manifestation. Like, you need to be able to feel and touch it, mm -hmm. um, no matter how advanced or how sophisticated the piece is. Um, and that's, that's the essence of my work, you know, if it's just, for me, I think it would be hard to translate my idea if it's just like a screen, mm. uh, a 2D screen kind of thing, you know, or like a, even a VR goggle. I feel like you need to have to be able to touch the material mm. to like feel it, smell it, look at it, walk around it kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. So that and, remains. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting because earlier you mentioned about the your your house you know at the dark at, at the night time you barely see like a very brightly lit room right i'm not sure perhaps you might resonate that that kind of sense in uk because in uk they just barely like a table lamp or wall lamp yeah. they don't have like fluorescent everywhere you know so 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 that's the perhaps the one of the thing i would brought back to malaysia when i when i have a, my my own room <laughs> but <laughs> but perhaps the last thing i would like to ask is that because in covid-19 we have noticed that you know um a lot of archi firms or design firm when they depend on one skill set or one service let's say consultation firm they just barely making a living because they depend on one resources or one income stream but mm -hmm. I mean, not not limited to income stream, but but speaking of the talent and also speaking of the different kind of uh, practice, I would say, mm -hmm. how do you see working in with multiple skills? For example, you yourself, I see you as interior designer plus artist, and then I see Kao as an interior designer plus a businessman, for example. Mm -hmm. So, do you do you would you like to uh, um promote this kind of a scheme? I would say, or um skill set or uh, something similar like an apprenticeship to your to your staff to encourage them to find a side hobby because I always thought that doing one job or learning one skill set is never enough especially in competitive market now yeah that's for sure um, I think when we hire or when we build our team we always make sure that they have an interest outside of interior architecture or outside of architecture like they have a, a, a passion for something else you know um, and for us that's really important like your world also revolves about this other passion that you have you know whether it's like comic drawing whether it's filmmaking whether it's photography um, and and I think that that makes the team even kind of richer like you know we can can communicate in different ways you know it's not just like within what we're so familiar with like mm -hmm interior architecture um, yeah so uh, very important we always encourage the team or, or our family to like um, you know um, learn about other things you know uh, um, you know we always try to invite our friends from different industries to come and share their knowledge kind of thing um, and it's usually not related to architecture at all you know it's it's it's, it's music you know film or 
fashion or whatever. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, very, very important, I think, to, to open the horizon a bit. Um, yeah. Especially when it's a, when, when the team is young, like, you know, to just show them that, yes, you know, you, you guys can, can, can work on something together, even though you're from two different fields. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah. I think it's particularly the site, the hobby must be non-architecture because if you dwell too, too deep in dark architecture, you never come out, you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> yeah. you get stuck in that tunnel and it's very hard to see it from a different, different perspective. I feel that. And that's what we realized, you know, I think back then when during my time, Carl and I's time studying, like, you know, mm. in the beginning years of our education, like it's always about architecture. Like, um, it's very we didn't have that kind of platform or podcast, you know, platform like we can learn about other fields. You know, um, none of that really exists. Um, there mm. wasn't really Instagram then, or so so it was just like Taylor's library then. You know, and like it's just architecture books. Mm, it's, mm, it's very limiting, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a, a close-up question, But I just wanted to say because um, you you did mention earlier like there will be um, new projects coming in and inquiry and, and things. I believe uh, you know people nowadays staying at home and work from home, they will realize how important the home is and the necessity of interior designer in this case, <laughs> not, not just simply you know uh, open a window will settle the job and also the atmosphere the materiality and also texture i believe that's where the 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 importance of of interior designer in this case so i wish you all the best thanks thanks a lot june thanks 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 for having me guys yeah. good luck